This morning, if you have your Bibles, please turn to John chapter 1. We're going to take a few weeks here to just look at this chapter as we prepare for Christmas. John chapter 1. And the choir just sang, and a word just kept being, um, a name kept being saying, Emmanuel. Emmanuel, and that was the name that had been prophesied hundreds of years before Jesus came, that that would be his name. And in Hebrew, what that means is God with us, that God was unsatisfied being apart from us, not because we loved him so much, but because he loved us so much. We as humanity had completely abandoned God. And each of us, when we're born, and even the little ones now, they struggle in their flesh wanting to be with God. But God, knowing that struggle is present and knowing that we can't do anything to bridge that gap, he decided to come and be with us and to forge a way for us to come be in relationship with him for forever. And so the prophets had foretold his name will be Emmanuel. And so when the angel came to Mary, she said, His name will be Emmanuel, God with us. This is the moment in which God is going to fulfill his whole plan of coming and being among his people. It's not just an idea anymore. It's not just something that that is kind of hazy. I want to show you that this is real. Emmanuel, God with us. So we're going to come into John chapter one this morning because the book of John and all the gospels are the story where these individuals write and say, I want you to have a a storybook look at Jesus. Look at all that he has done. And John, as he is writing, he's one of the disciples of Jesus who spent three years with him. And this first chapter is him saying, I'm going to take three years and just as best as I can show you how great he is before I even tell you the story. I just I just have to tell you how awesome that he is. And so if you have your Bible, then let's look at John chapter one. You may have heard some of this before, but it's always good to hear it again so that it will fill up our hearts with meaning about Jesus. It says this in John chapter one, verse one. In the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God. So to us in the English, we see lots of things repeating there. Word, word, word. Now, in the Greek, we're all going to be Greek scholars this morning. There was a word that's being used there called logos. Can you say logos with me? Logos. Let's try that again. Logos, not Legos. Okay, Legos are those expensive brick toys that boys and girls ask for for Christmas. It's not Legos. It's logos. In kind of the same way Legos work, when my kids get a Lego set, you know, those little bricks, uh, it comes in this box. And there's just pieces all over in this box. And there's a set of instructions that tell you this piece should go there and this piece should go there. And it gives you a picture on the box of what the completed thing will be. Now, what you have there is this idea of something that's to come. An architect somewhere, uh, engineers really have made that toy to fit and construct. And they've given you plans and they've said, this is what it's going to look like. And then... When that child opens up that Lego box and they get out and they put that all together and they come and here's the finished work. That's Logos. What it is, is this idea and reason and all that is 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 coming together, just like in your brain, when you get an idea that's starting to cook up and you bring together all those ideas. And then when it comes out and is manifested, all that together as it comes about is Logos. The Greeks believed that, but what they believed is that Logos, they just kind of believed it was a big force up in wherever. And they believed that that if you knew enough about that, just by knowing that would save you. 
But what John is saying is this. No, it's, it's not some distant knowledge. It's not just the, the Lego instructions in the sky that will save you if you know the instructions. This must become manifest. It must be injected into our lives. This logos has not stayed far away, but is this reality that has now come within our midst. And I want to tell you about him. And so it begins to tell us about logos, the word. It told us right there that in the beginning was the word. So when it's talking about Jesus and he is the word, that means in the beginning, the word that are used there is very reflective of the very first verse in the Bible. You remember it? Genesis 1, 1 in the beginning, God created right before there was anything. There was God because he's the creator. Everything else has been created from nothing. Well, this says that the word logos was also there before anything else was created. So it is God. It's not just some idea. It is God. Elijah. A fifth grader was having a conversation this week with another fifth grader, correct? And this other fifth grader said, there's no way. There, there, there's no way that Jesus made everything. It had to come through some scientific bang that happened and everything just falling into place by random chance. Survival of the fittest. What Darwin said was right. And for another fifth grader to stand and say, no. There was God. And from nothing he created. That that takes faith. But that's what the scripture said in John, after witnessing Jesus healing the blind and walking on water and raising Lazarus from the tomb. And finally, after his own death, raising back from the grave, he said, from everything I've heard and seen and witnessed of this one, Jesus Christ, he is the Logos and he was before anything else was. He is God. And it's so simple that a fifth grader can tell another fifth grader. But it's true. I know it's hard to believe. But from him came everything. Because he was before everything. In the beginning was the word, was the Logos. And it goes on and says, and the word was with God. So it tunes us into this fact that Jesus wasn't just acting on his own, but he had a relationship that was there. It was Jesus and the Father, and we know later, by the Holy Spirit as well, the scriptures tell us. That there was this great fellowship among the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, the Trinity. But that wasn't enough. This whole story is about them going and wrapping up us into that fellowship and relationship with them. And so it starts here telling us that the word Jesus was with God. But then comes in this last phrase that's important. And the word was God. There have been people throughout time that have gone and said, Jesus is good, but he's not God. No, he had to be God. Because the scripture makes clear that there's not one human being who was capable of doing what you and I needed in order to be saved. Every other human being had failed. We see that on a daily basis right now, don't we? You flip on the news, you read on the website, you Facebook it all over the place. It doesn't matter where you go right now, but all kinds of people all over the world who have said they're in a powerful, high standing position, people that we have put their our faith in. To get the job done. Have failed, correct? The reality is you have too, and your mom and your dad did and your kids have and your granddaddy has everyone in the world has failed. We are not good enough to help ourselves. We always have a flaw or if we're to be honest. Many, many flaws. 
And those get exposed to other human beings. But guess what? God's no fool. He knew that none of us were without flaws. And so he had to send somebody into flesh who had no sin, no flaws. And so this says the word was God, that Jesus was God. Now, just so that we know that we're not talking about some philosophical um, uh, idea out there floating around, this very next part is very critical to say that this was a person. It says in verse 2, he was in the beginning with God. It uses the pronoun he. So now it's a person. This isn't just an idea. He's a person. And he was in the beginning with God. And then verse 3, all things were made through him. And without him was not anything made that was made. Again, going back to the thing that he was before all time and Jesus made everything. So if you want to walk outside and see a tree, Jesus made it. This morning when we went out to our car, I don't know what was happening, but there was about a million birds flying over our house. And it sounded like it. And I wanted to use an umbrella to get to my car because I knew I was going to get hit. But I knew that Jesus made every one of them birds. And it's not just the things that I can see today that Jesus has brought into existence. This said that Jesus, before time, created everything. And it goes on to make sure that we know that and says, there was nothing that's been made that hasn't been made by him. That also means that he wasn't made because everything that's been made was made by him. So he's not a part of that. Jesus made all things. He made you. Do you know that? Jesus spoke you, built you, knitted you, created you, and brought you into existence. And the cool thing about God and the way he sees you, he doesn't want your existence to just go. He's concerned about you. He's concerned that you will die and that you will die not knowing him. And the Bible says that if you don't know Jesus and you die, that's it. That you will face your judgment for all the flaws that you have in your heart. You're not going to die for somebody else's sin and nobody else is going to die for you. Unless. Because God is so concerned for you. Emmanuel. God with us. That he took on flesh and he walked this earth. And he healed all them people and he spoke all those sermons. But his greatest work was to go to that cross to die the death that you deserved. So that. You wouldn't go and be done. He wants you in existence. He wants you with him. And that's not one day future. He wants that reality now. The crazy thing is now we have this whole holiday that's set up to say. Yeah, this is Jesus's birthday. And yet rarely does society. Even think about Jesus's birthday right now. It has become this thing where everything has been lumped into what's called this season of light. And so even other holidays from other religions have been lumped together into this festivity of lights. When we know from Scripture that light comes from Jesus, it is him. This was his birthday and this time leading up to it is about him. And the Scripture goes on to say that at the end of time. In the book of Revelation, when it's describing the two witnesses that come, we don't know exactly who those are. My understanding, my belief is that it's Jews and Gentiles together, the church. But at, at that time, those witnesses will be will be brought down and even brought to a place of just being squelched dead. 
And as a result of that gospel message being quieted, you know what the book of Revelation says? This is startling as you see it up against the backdrop of our current society in Christmas. It says this. And those who dwell on the earth will rejoice over them. Again, it's them who can't say the gospel anymore. The, the words about Jesus, you can't say them or you better not pray about him in school. You better not talk about him at work. You'll get fired. You better not bring him up around other family members. They might not come back to the table. Jesus is no longer welcome. The message about him, the world is trying to kill. And so this says that after that, those who dwell on the earth will rejoice over the fact that it's no longer being talked about. And here's what they do. It says this. They rejoice over them and make merry and exchange presents. As a result of Jesus being stripped out, the testimony of him and how good he is that God came to be with us to save us from our sins, that the world will say, no more, we don't want it, we'll do away with it. And when Jesus is taken out, guess what comes in? People saying, now we're merry, let's trade gifts. That is what is happening. Which should be a sign for us. That one day soon it's going to be Emmanuel again. God will come to be with us, but it's going to come as Jesus on his war horse. He's going to advent again. To finish up in John, it says this. In him, this is Jesus in the Logos was life. And the life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness and the darkness has not overcome it. You know what? Despite all that's against Jesus right now, he's going to win. And despite the fact that you might say that's that's out there, the hardest battle that you have going on isn't against non-Christians or even Christians struggling out there or even in here. It's in here. It's in your chest. It's in your heart. That's the biggest struggle. Because your flesh and your sin are trying to to get him out. But guess what? That verse said. The light shines in the darkness and the darkness has not overcome it. I believe that if Jesus has his hooks in you, if he has begun a work in you, he's going to carry that on to completion. Whatever whatever's going on in you that's dark. Whether it's from within or without, I think Jesus is going to overcome that. Some of you are going through some pretty hard things and and you'll you'll talk to me. And you'll say, Pastor, it just seems. Pretty dark right now. I just don't know how I'm going to make it every day. This just isn't going right. I I don't have the answers to what's going on in my life. And what that is, is 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 a sign saying, I just feel like I'm in darkness. But the darkness hasn't overcome Jesus. And he wants for every opportunity in your life to say. Jesus, would you help me? Would you help me? The good thing about that is John's going to go on to tell us how awesome it was that the word became flesh and what happens to an individual when Jesus is given ownership of everything. But we start our journey there. In the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God. This season is all the craziness is going on. Put your eyes on Jesus 
If you're having trouble with all the clutter, whether it be a bunch of tinsel or presents or events going on in your life, maybe you need to ask the Lord right now, Lord, what do I need to almost take out? Is there something I just need to kind of take out of this equation so that you can be forefront, so that my eyes are on Jesus? You might need to fast from some things about Christmas. Because it's really easy just to let it all mound up and then just do what the world is doing and try to be merry and exchange presents. You know, I was scrolling through Facebook um, the other day and I have lots of friends on Facebook. I actually use my wife's account, so I, she has lots of friends on Facebook. And uh, I was noticing that there's lots of Christian friends and right now are a lot of postings holiday and, and, and maybe some residual ones from Thanksgiving. But there's also lots of non-believing friends who are posting pictures from holiday and events and everything that's going on now. And you know what's interesting? I saw no difference between the two sets of pictures. Because right now the world is saying if we light some candles and if we sit around a meal, we can create a merry, cozy feeling in our hearts. My friends, this isn't about a feeling. It's about logos. And the question is, whether you're around a table with candles and great food and friends and family and you've got a good time, is logos in you? Has he done that work of giving you life? And if he has, are your eyes on him this holiday season? Or are you just doing holiday season? So this morning, if you're finding things are maybe crowding that, maybe you just say, Lord, how do I need to put my eyes on you? Is there something that needs to change in my life? Is there something I'm more attached to and in love with than you, Jesus? Let it be Jesus and him. We'll start with him. And then he'll help you get the rest of it. He'll help you go through that darkness. He'll help you go through this holiday crazy season. Get to the new year. But make sure it's with Jesus. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for this morning and the opportunity we have just to put our eyes on Jesus for a moment. We know that you're special because all the prophets had said it. We know that you're special because John, your best friend on earth, told us how great you are. Gave us insight as to your past in your present and even in your future. And so we pray that we would come to see that reality of Jesus in our hearts and in our lives. Lord, we pray that we would not allow the clutter of sin and the clutter of life and all the things that might get in the way of us and you being together. We pray that you would help strip those things away. We pray that you would cause us to have a new and refreshed love for Jesus. And so would you help us to see how you're at work in us? Would you help us to see how, how good you've been to us? In spite of all of our sin. We pray that this season, Lord, we would just have that swelling sense of expectation. That as you've been good in the past, you're going to be good today and tomorrow and forever. We pray this in Christ's name. Amen. As we close this morning, I want to give you an opportunity. This is just an opportunity for you to say, Lord, I, w- I want you to prepare my heart for, for whatever's going on today, tomorrow, this Christmas season. And maybe you just need to spend some time in quiet prayer. Maybe as everybody's singing, you just need to say, you know what, I need some quiet. You're welcome to come pray up front. We can pray with you. But just take some opportunity before the Lord and say, I just want my eyes on Jesus. I want to see the law gospel.